The bulk of our time this evening will be focused on Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 to 32. Uh, but to get the full context of what's going on, I think it would be helpful for us to read from verse 23 on. Um, please read with me. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. Baptism of John. From where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven... He'll say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we're afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. And afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and he said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Let us pray. Oh Lord, your word is pure. Your word is fire. Your word is a double-edged sword. May it be so amongst us tonight. Father, give us ears to hear. Give us inward-looking spiritual eyes that dutifully search out our own hearts by your grace. And Lord, help me tonight to preach your gospel clearly, efficaciously. Lord, we pray that many tonight, even perhaps amongst us, would repent and believe in the gospel, Lord. But not for our sake, not for my sake, but for yours alone. In the name of Christ. Amen. Three very simple points will we'll form our time in the scripture this evening. First, we want to look at the purpose of the parable. Then we will examine the parable itself. And third and lastly, the point of the parable. So, let's start with the purpose. Jesus uses this parable to expose the chief priests and the elders for caring more about their own image than the way of righteousness. The chief priests and the elders bring this question of Jesus' authority before him, and clearly in mind are a couple of things uh, that Jesus has recently done. He's entered Jerusalem, uh, receiving praise from people, being called the son of David, uh, and he goes, uh, and in, in this authority of being the son of David, he goes and he purges the temple, driving out uh, tax collect, driving out people who are changing money, people who are selling animals. Um, and this is really, though, just a, a pattern of behavior that Jesus has been exhibiting throughout his whole ministry of subverting the Pharisees and the chief priests and the elders' authority. 
So they ask him, by whose authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? But Jesus actually asks them a counter question about the authority of John's baptism. So it would behoove us to understand the nature of John's baptism, why perhaps the chief priests and the elders refused to accept it, as Jesus said. So let's turn very quickly to the third chapter of Matthew. We read in verse 2 that John the Baptist comes and is preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Later in verse 11, John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is a message that Jesus repeats later in chapter 4. Let's flip over to chapter 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So why does Jesus pose this counter-question to the Pharisees? They seem like almost completely disconnected points. They're saying, who gave you this authority? And he asked this counter-question of, well, where did John get his authority? Well, we see a clue as to why he asks them this question when the chief priests and the elders deliberate about it, and they ultimately refuse to answer because they're afraid of either Jesus' response to them affirming that John's baptism came from heaven, or they're afraid of the crowd. They're afraid to say that they believe that John's baptism of repentance came from man because they're afraid of what the crowd will think of them. So Jesus knows that they will refuse to believe him about his authority, just like they refuse to believe John. John offered them repentance. John called them to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus knows that just like they refused to believe John that they needed to repent, they will refuse to believe Jesus that they needed to repent. And to illustrate his point, he tells them a story. Let's move next to point number two, the parable itself. Jesus says, what do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. This father has a, a simple message for his son. Son, stop what you're doing. Go work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. Unexpectedly, though, the son has kind of an, a change of heart. He stops what he's doing. He turns and he goes to work in the vineyard. And then what about the second son? He went to the other, and he says the same exact message. Go into the vineyard today. And this son says, I go, sir. But unlike what his words say, he doesn't go. Jesus says he, he did not go. Point number three, the point of the parable. Jesus gives it to us directly. He says, which of the two did the will of the father? The answer is pretty simple, right? It's, it's the, the first son, the one who actually stopped what they were doing, turned, and went into the vineyard to work. And Jesus says, speaking to the chief priests and the elders, mind us, that this is the tax collectors and the prostitutes, and that they're the ones who are going into the kingdom of heaven before the chief priests, the elders, the religious leaders. Why? Because they believed John and repented of their sins. The tax collectors, I mean, these are people who are, they are cheating people, they are manipulating people, they are lying, they do 
evil against people. They, they rob the poor. But the kingdom of heaven is open to them because they repented of their sins. They turned from collecting taxes and they believed in the gospel. The prostitutes, the sexually immoral, the broken, the abused. The kingdom of heaven is open to them because they repented and they believed. But what about the second son? Jesus says that the second son represents the chief priests and the elders. Why? Because though the second son has all the outward appearance of a, one, of a son who does the will of the father, one who says, I go, I, I go presently, I'm going right now, as you wish. Though he looks like that, he refuses to do it. Just like it was with John, the religious leaders care more about how people see them than the way of righteousness, because for them, it's never been about that. For them, it's more about controlling how people think about them, how people perceive them, than it is doing the will of the Father, even though the free gift of repentance and life was offered to them, they refused it. And even when they saw people who had been sinning boldly their entire lives leave the things that they were doing, stop being tax collectors, stop being prostitutes, and go follow Christ after having repented of their sins, they still didn't believe. They still refused to turn from the sin that they knew that was within them and walk in righteousness because ultimately they did not believe that they needed to repent. Because it was never about that. It was always more about how people saw them than it was about the kingdom of God. So the question remains for us. What about us? What about those of us who have gathered here together as a Christian church, as people who want to supposedly worship God as people who are about to partake in the body and the blood of Christ you see here in front of us. What about us? Is who you say you are on the outside the same as on the inside? You can become a member of a church. You can be as knowledgeable as the Pharisees and the religious leaders. You can say all the right things. You can eat the same bread as the brothers and sisters eat and drink the blood of Christ. And you will not get one inch closer to the kingdom of heaven unless you repent and believe in the gospel. Friends, you can, you can fool many people. You might even, for a time, be able to fool yourself. But you cannot fool God. Christ is coming. John says in that chapter that we read that this one who's coming is Christ, and he'll baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire that his winnowing fork is in his hand. And the grain, those who have repented and believed and borne fruit, he will harvest. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Nonbeliever, it's not too late to repent and believe in the gospel. Our brother Raymond said earlier tonight, there is no shame in repentance. Brothers and sisters, if, if you come and repent and believe in the gospel, something you can do right now 
There is no shame in that. You will only have joined all of the sinners who journey on the way of righteousness. You will only have joined a company of former tax collectors, of former prostitutes, of liars, of robbers, of cheaters, of the the sexually immoral to walk in the way of righteousness together. There is no shame in repentance. Believer, search deeply inside your heart. Are you who you say you are? Are you continuing to put sin to death in your life by confessing it to one another, by attending to the ordinary means of grace, by discipling each other along the way? If who you are on the inside is different than who you say you are, maybe you're not who you think you might be. But we'll close with this, that if you repent of your sins, if you turn from your life of unrighteousness and believe in the sufficiency of Christ's blood spilled on the cross for you to forgive you of your sins, you can be assured that when Christ comes, he will harvest you. He will bring you into the storehouse of love where we will feast forever as is displayed for us here. Let us pray. Oh Lord, you are holy, you are perfect, you are true. Father, we thank you for this solemn reminder here in front of us, this bread and this wine representing the body and the blood of our Lord. Father, we thank you for this word that it is a great reminder to us, Lord, that our going into the kingdom of heaven is not dependent on our own righteousness, on our own good works. Father, we thank you that you do not leave it up to us to earn our way into heaven, but you freely gave of yourself. You gave us your own son, his body and his blood, that whoever should believe in him should have eternal life. Father, we thank you for the body and the blood of Christ, Lord. Would you help us to love you and to love one another, not for our glory, but for your name's sake, Lord Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.